Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, and thank you so much for spending your time here listening to this show. I hope you get a lot of value out of it today, and I'm sure that you will, uh, because we have none other than one of my favorite people in the entire world, as you know, Sharon LaBelle. And, uh, you know, it's been so wonderful, uh, you know, starting this monthly series that we're doing with Sharon, having her on and having these conversations, and, uh, you know, she is become somebody who I consider to be uh, not only a, a close friend, but a mentor, you know, and a, a person to bounce ideas off, a person to to think with and to, to ponder and wonder with. And um, it's just been so, so much fun for me. And, uh, you know, I honestly feel like these conversations uh, sometimes turn into psychology sessions where I can, you know, say the things that I might not consider saying in other conversations with other people, you know, and it's, it's just, it's absolutely wonderful. And I really hope that you guys get uh, as much value out of these conversations as I am getting. And so before I jump into the episode, I just want to mention that this podcast would not be possible if not for my incredible Patreon supporters. So if you do have the means to support the show, then it really helps out and it keeps this podcast going and keeps me able to do the things that I love here, which is uh, to continue having these conversations and to continue learning about this amazing philosophy and uh, and how it can help us in our lives. So uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. And then you can get access to over 200 episodes recorded before 2020 uh, on there. And you can also get access to now, I believe, uh, over 30 of the Seneca episodes and 12 new episodes each month. And so, as I said, go to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew and pick your tier of support and any level of support would be greatly appreciated. So, without any further ado, I present to you my conversation with Sharon LaBelle. Good morning, Shazza. How you doing? Well, hi. It's great to see you. It's now, good to see you too. I I forget what your Aussie name is. Oh, Simo. <laughs> Simo, like S-I-M-O? Uh, S-I-M-M-O, I believe. I think okay, that's how it's then. spelled. But uh, yeah, what else has there been? No, that's pretty much it. Simo is pretty much all you can do with Simon. So, <laughs> how are you? All good. Spring has sprung here, and um, I it's externally spring, and it's springtime in my heart. That's good. That's good. Tell me more. <laughs> Springtime in your heart. You're just you're just feeling alive, like you're you're on the right path. Things are going well. Yes, I think. In spite of myself, my will has been conformed to nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe I've we'll been have behaving to... myself as yeah. a stoic. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've always wanted to be the renegade, but this time. Uh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is it is nice when we're able to fall into some sort of moral o- obedience to ourselves or whatever, you know, that that kind of um yeah, yeah. It's uh I often find that that happens when I'm very engaged in something, you know, something important. It it seems to you know what it feels like? It kind of feels like uh, the thing that is extremely important that you're working on is like a bowling ball dropped on a bed and everything falls into that. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like things fall into it around you and, and you, you, you don't tend to look for external gratifications as much because you're focused on that thing. You know what I mean? I'm sure you do because you've had that with many things in your life. Well, it this is a new analogy for me, but I understand exactly what Hopefully. you're <laughs> No, it's a very important idea because it's an it's an important experience. It it's it's when It's really when you feel like you're doing life right. I I don't mm. mean to to speak for you, but I I mean in an analogy that I think of and tell me if I'm hitting the mark or not. Um when I'm reading a book sometimes I fully enter the text. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that, except, you know, it's not just being lost in the story. It's, it's being kind of in, in perfect dialogue with the ideas. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, you know, I think I've I've had a couple of experiences similar to that in the past year. One of them was with a video. It was it was a Jordan Peterson lecture, and he was combining the mythological substructures of like uh, the Buddhist story of enlightenment with the Garden of Eden. And I had listened to this particular lecture about probably. Th- two or three times before that. But then on the third or fourth time, I finally was understanding and from start to finish, everything that he was saying, I was finally following because it was such a complex lecture. And yes. And then you find that you're you're just everything you're like, yes, okay, I get it. Okay, I get it. Okay, I get it. You know, and then there was another experience that I had with um this book that I'm reading from Carl Jung, uh, two essays on analytical psychology. And he uh, actually wanted to quote you something today from, from here, which we can do briefly as well. But I had highlighted, as I read a book, I highlight certain passages. But then when I started reading the book again and going through from the point where I'd stopped, I thought, now let me just jump back and read one thing that I highlighted to see 
if if I understand it a bit better, because obviously my mind caught that in some way, you know, like I, I better go back and review it. And then all of a sudden the highlighting didn't matter because every idea after the highlighting, the things that I didn't highlight, I was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't see this. I can't believe I didn't see this and this and this. And it just reminded me to go back and review the things, you know, review the points that, you know, you've you've highlighted because there's an importance there that you might not have caught properly. And then you see the things that you didn't highlight, you know, but Jung is yes. a psychopath, you know, trying to understand his works. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. You're a brave man. <laughs> and look, I'm trying. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's been really, you know, really influential over the past few, few weeks. Cause I've just started jumping into, have you read any of, of Jung's stuff or? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A lot. I was sure you would have. Especially, you know, the theory of dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I was, <laughs> I was going to suggest that I tell you a crazy dream that I had the other day, but maybe that's for later on uh, in the conversation <laughs> if I choose to. But um, yeah, that his, his stuff about dreams is so interesting. And um and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to have that discussion with you as well. Like, what what have you found useful about his um, his works on on dreams and their interpretations? Have you found that you've used it in your life with your own dreams? Yes, though not not recently. But the most important thing that I gained from immersing myself in Jung's ideas is it is that I share his fierce conviction that we are fundamentally uh, symbolic creatures that we mm. that we that cognition and memory and emotion are are basically um, the, the elements are are symbols and it, well in fact you know there's that whole field have you ever explored semiotics the study of signs and and sign systems and symbols that's that's actually a whole discipline that looks at all fields of study through the lens of of symbolism mm. and it, and it it actually it, in in the hierarchy of knowledge it sees linguistics as being a subset of semiotics because mm. um I'm sorry, I don't mean to be getting all pedantic on you, but anyway. No, this is great. I, this is great. I, I just think that our, that the atoms of our thoughts are symbols and that maybe, and this is just a hypothesis, a guess, a Poe, mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you will, that... Um, that maybe dreams 
are 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 a a glimpse of that more atomistic level rather mm. than the synthetic level that we deal with in our workaday lives where we don't have time to parse out all the symbolic components of any given moment of life you know both the inputs and what's inside of us you know because we have to move from here to there we have to you know make all these micro decisions to mm. navigate our days our our moments um but maybe dreams are just a little peek behind the curtain at that mm. more atomist anyway i no, no, this is this that's is my no, this is fancy. <laughs> I love it, uh, and I have to say, I, I just clicked record from the start because I knew we would just go into some deep <laughs> topics, right? You <laughs> rascal! <laughs> I wanted to catch you before we, <laughs> before we do all the good stuff first, but but yeah, you know, this is such good timing to talk about this sort of stuff because I, one of the YouTubers I've been absolutely obsessed with uh, in the past few weeks um, has been Jonathan Peugeot. Uh, or Paggio, he's he's this wonderful icon carver from um, from Canada, and all of his videos are based around the symbolism of the biblical stories, and you know, talking about this exact sort of stuff um, in terms of showing you how everything that you do in your life has a symbolic um, substructure, you know, and so right, right, yeah, all this stuff, you know, I, I'm only coming to this stuff via the back road of Jordan Peterson's lectures because he's talking, you know, he does interviews with Jonathan Peugeot and he's he's talking about the biblical symbolism and about Carl Jung. And so I've been thinking, okay, well, I've 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 listened to him enough. It's time to go to the source of his thinking as well. And, you know, going to Carl Jung. And it's just, it's, it's blowing my mind, you know, just uh it's it's it is so interesting to think <laughs> about bless you I don't that's not the right thing to say but I always say it anyway (laughs) um but yeah just uh it has really opened my mind to uh uh, the complexities of what's going on beneath what I think I am you know and and I think that that can only be a good thing you know in in the long run to to be acquainted more with those complexities I think so and I also, I have a hunch that they're beautiful. Mm. Just a hunch. <laughs> but I trust my hunches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I well, give them a lot of cred. You know, I, I just have one quick anecdote, anecdote you know, just about, um, as, as you put it so well, the symbolic substructure of well, everything. Um, mm. I was talking recently. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, completely surprised my family, and she became a rabbi ma- many years ago. And it's interesting because her father was a, a Jesuit, and you know, it's complicated. Um, but, uh, you know, she came from a fairly agnostic family. Anyway, uh, I was talking with her a while ago, and I, her name is Kayla, and I said, Kayla, listen, you know, what about that Bible? You know, that thing really pulls my chain. I mean, 
<laughs> you know, do I have to listen to all these men and then Benjamin begat Abraham and blah, blah, blah. And then this man saw a burning bush and then he took to him a concubine and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, in other words, you know, I was having a, a you know, a feminist fit. And, um, and she's, I said, how, you know, because she's, you know, a very modern uh, person and very progressive minded. I said, how do you deal with all that stuff? I mean, and she said, Oh, mom, are you only looking at the plot? And what she meant by that is that it's all a system of, of symbols, that it's, it's, it's a code for us to decode. And that's mm. how I, I'm putting words into her mouth, but I know that's what she was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah, it is. It's such a freaky document, right? Like it's such, it's, yes. <laughs> it, and I think that over the past year, I've really come to realize just how stupid I am in relation to my, my previous thoughts about religion and the Bible, particularly because it's my upbringing, you know, and even, yeah. even thinking about, um, you, you know, it's, it's even changed the way that I look at my, uh, my actual religious upbringing in the Mormon church, you know, because they have another book called the book of Mormon, which is, again, a series of stories. And if you look at it for the plot, you're going to very quickly realize that uh, not sure if any of this really happened, you know, not really quite sure if that really happened, but, but I'm, I'm interested in rediscovering the symbolic meaning behind it. But, you know, I've had just these experiences where I thought, okay, I've, I have to at least go back and see if I find something in here. And so I'd read the Bible and I thought, Ah, there's some very strange symbolism that seems to pertain exactly to me in this moment of my life. You know, things like that, where you think, yes. you know, it's just, you have, I've really come to realize that I know absolutely nothing about that document. And it's just not something that we can, you know, frivolously, you know, throw to the wayside, you know, and, and be confident in, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it deserves a degree of seriousness. And so, yeah, in my path of learning, I think once I'm done with Seneca, I'm going to have to start uh, diving a little bit deeper into, into that stuff because it's, yeah, it's, it's far beyond me to understand that. <laughs> yes. Mm. But, you know, I wanted to, um, okay, I want to read you something because, uh, you know, we were discussing last time, the kind of lessons learned from last year. Well, apparently I'm still going through puberty because I'm still having the... uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so last year, um, one of the things that I was really thinking about, and I actually wrote a little bit about this um, and and posted it as a podcast, but I I was thinking about how... If, if we imagine ourselves to be the highest of the high uh, in terms of the hierarchy of uh, things in this world, right, we, we can, it's, it's very easy to fall into the very materialistic worldview of, you know, this is just what is, what I can see and what I can touch is just what is. And 
I don't think that there's like a lot of, sorry, confidence in, um, in, in that kind of way of thinking in terms of uh, confidence in yourself to be able to navigate effectively throughout the world. And it's, it's such a new way of thinking as well. And I started to really think about, okay, well, what's bigger than me? Well, culture is definitely bigger than me. That's something that's lasted thousands and thousands of years and is constantly in development that I have a tiny little bit to do with, but ultimately it's, it's much bigger and much more powerful than I am. And so maybe that's something that if I pay attention to culture, then there's a wisdom to be found within that. And then you think the stoic worldview is, okay, we'll go even bigger than that. You know, you're not just a citizen of your nation, you're a citizen of the cosmos, meaning get that view from above the cosmic view of the, the, the reason that exists throughout the, you know, you might say the the Taoist view of the flow of life, right? Like the, the way that things go. Um, and, and so I started really thinking, okay, I need to extend my view of what I am in order to gain a deeper wisdom of what's happening around the world, right? Because if you just look at what's in front of you and what's around you, uh, there is wisdom to be gained there, but it's, it's somewhat shallow. Um, and then as I was reading Jung, he kind of confirmed this idea for me. And I want to read this to you. It's, it was so interesting. When I read this, I thought, damn, Jung is just, he's too much. <laughs> um, but he's, he was basically, in this essay, he's talking about how, uh, and this is also such a brilliant idea, that the, the kind of floodgates of morality every so often will burst, right? And the way that they burst is often through the sexual question. You know, we definitely see today everybody is talking about, you know, sexuality and things like that. Like there's, there's definitely, there's a, there's a, a theme reoccurring, which he just hits on the head perfectly here. But he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, uh, it is the way of moralists to put little trust in God as if they thought the fair tree of humanity flourished only by virtue of being propped up and trained on a trellis, whereas Father, Son, and Mother Earth have allowed it to grow for their delight in accordance with the deepest laws of wisdom. Uh, sorry, the laws of the deepest wisdom. And I couldn't get over that last line there for the past few weeks it's just been you know going over and over in my mind the laws of the deepest wisdom you know and he's talking about father son mother earth he's talking about getting that cosmic view of not what do we want but what is the thing that is going to be happening for millennia to come you know and how can you view the events of the world right now from the lens not of the next 20 years, but, you know, the next thousand years, the next million years, you know, it's just these, these patterns that you see over time. And I wanted to ask you what you think of that, because you're, you're obviously a deep thinker. You've got a different view. I don't take you for a standard um, materialist, you know, you've got obviously a connection to a, a deeper kind of wisdom what do you take away from something like that? Like gaining a deeper wisdom of the cosmos. What that puts me in mind of is a thing we can do that I think 
is the portal to philosophy, you know, in the strictest sense, the Mm. love of wisdom. I think the best thing we can do, the kindergarten of philosophy, the kindergarten of wanting access to the big everything, the wisdom, is to go outside and lie on our backs and stare into the sky maybe 20 minutes maybe a half hour enough time to let our workaday thoughts dissipate and you look at the shifting clouds and you look at how big that sky is and you remember from grade school that you were taught there were these planets and there's this milky way which is like a you know just a little dust mote on a dandelion of god knows what bigger earth thing yeah and eventually what happens is I think if this works, <laughs> is that y- you get beyond thought and you get beyond categories. And you have a kind of direct experience, number one, of the vastness of experience also from the beginning of time if there even is such a thing to now to infinity what you get is pure awe what you get is pure awe and i think that's the beginning of any honest inquiry Mm. anyway that's no, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, you use the word awe. I, I I was thinking recently along the same terms, um, but using the word grandeur. You know, I think that we yes. need to experience a sense of grandeur as often as we can, whether that's, you know, you know, staring at a beautiful painting that gives you that sense of just. I don't understand this and it's impossible to understand it completely, but there's something trapped within there, you know, the the vastness of that, that meaning or whether it's climbing a mountain or like Seneca did, you know, walking through a forest and realizing that, you know, how could there not be something greater, you know, than, than this little mind here. Right. Um, And I think that, yeah, I'm so grateful that I grew up in a place where I had the opportunity to to go out and climb mountains every weekend and to just sit there on top and, you know, look down at how small everything is. It, it's still, you know, it's, it's like that exercise from Marcus Aurelius, right? The view from above, you look down and you think, oh, okay, so when I'm in a car, that's how tiny I am. <laughs> you know, just driving on the highway, a tiny little toy car driving along, with all of my problems, all of the things that I worry about. And at the end of the day, there's 
there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of uh, deeper uh, meaning to be found. Um, and I think that's something that gave me a little bit of confidence was hearing Alan Watts. He said, we always think that we come into this world, but we came out of it, you know. And Yes, and just a to very remember. important distinction. Very yeah, distinction. yeah. Just to remember yes. that that whatever I am is just as much a part of everything that's around me, you know, and 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 a part of the the the, the world. And, and and so you think back to what Marcus Aurelius said again, which is you know remember that you will face this day with the same reason that you had yesterday and the day before and the day before that and the day before that, and then you remember that you come from a long line of people who managed to survive this world, and and obviously thrive because you're here and you wouldn't be here if they didn't thrive in some way. And, um, and yeah, I think this is one of the things that I'm interested in rediscovering about stoicism is this, this kind of cosmic confidence that you get when you identify yourself with the largest possible thing that you could conceive of. If, if that, if that makes sense. Yes, because then you know that even though you're a wee itty bitty 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 little piece of it that you still you have your place and it was inevitable that you would be um because of all the antecedent um events that led to the inevitability of you except you're just a little teeny weeny 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 itsy bitsy it's you know infinitesimal, yeah. etc. But you know, um, I just wanted to highlight something that you just said a couple sentences ago because it it was the missing piece of uh, you know this idea of getting direct access to uh, uh, to. I don't know, to kind of the ground of our being in a Mm. way. Um, But the other part of it is that I neglected to say, but you said it, is not only do you realize, not as a concept, but as a profound experience, the vastness, the the infinityness of it, but you see how everything is inter- connected Mm. and that and and i would add that those connections are the filaments that connect us are they're they're all symbols they're all in a sense messages Well, you know, let, let's dive a little bit deeper into that because that's, I think it's such an important point that we need to tease out here, which is, you know, I think it relates as well to the idea of a more fatty, right? But this, but the thing that we are oh, yeah. talking about is the, is the precursor to a true understanding of a more fatty, right? So you, you yes. need to be able to recognize the interconnectedness of everything. You need to be able to recognize the, uh, 
the the connection that you have to the whole, right? Uh, in order for you to even be able to see how things could be good for you if you decided to identify with the with the highest possible good or you know the highest possible aim of good uh and and so you say well basically a more fatty love your fate i'm going to act as if this crazy giant interconnected cosmos that i'm playing a part in i'm going to act as if it is good and yes. And as I do that, I will welcome whatever happens to me uh, as a pathway for me to to walk on, right? And and I, I can honestly say, you know, the past year, I, I've only just started to really play with that idea of love your fate and it simply works, you know. I, I think the point when I really realised how I didn't understand it but how I could understand it was when I, I said, this is no different to what they taught me in church when I was younger, which was to follow God's plan for you or act as if yeah. whatever happens to you could be good. And people would get up in church and they'd say, I'm so grateful for my trials. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> me and my parents, they, they'd always be like, listen, nobody's grateful for their trials, but you just, you, you, okay. Roll with so, it. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but the point is, you know, you act as if whatever is happening to you could be for your benefit and it works for people. And so why would you be so prideful and arrogant as to, uh, you know, to push against that, you know, just because it's a way of thinking, right? Like it's a tool of thinking, but it's, it works, you know, it works. And, and, and I think, uh, yeah, as I have, as I have tried to expand my uh, uh, vision of, what it is that I'm a part of here in this, in this crazy universe. And as I have played with that idea of a more fatty, a more fatty, um, I think that ultimately I have been uh, picking up these clues along the trail and say, okay, well, I can take that and I can take that and I can take that. Right. And yeah, it's uh, it's, it's strange. Right. Have you found that as well in your life? Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And it, well, I'm just reminded of uh, how I think uh, Amor Fati can be misunderstood as being just going pause up, right? But it's actually... kind of the most engaged way you can be with your with your life because there's that simultaneous understanding that you're you since we're just so we're such a tiny part of the fabric um, of everything that we're just not so effing important, you know, as we'd like to think we are. But at the same time, we are really effing important. And, mm. the, and, and our lives do have consequence because we've got a job to do in, in our mm. little itty bitty space. It, and, we, and 
by taking on the mentality of amor fati, that's that's an in a way it's an exception. It's it's an acceptance. I beg your pardon of of our duty to to fully inhabit ourselves this moment, this kind of blessed accident called us. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that I think this is such an important point that is so necessary to go down as well, which is that you have to pair that recognition of of uh, um, of this love of fate with a recognition of your duty as well. You know, it, it, meaning if everything around me in this crazy cosmos seems to have some kind of purpose, does something which adds to, you know, the higher levels upon which are built from it, that didn't make sense. But um, if, if everything has some sort of strange purpose, then maybe there's something about me that if I was able to listen to the path that is being set for me, uh, then I would see that there is a part of me that needs to emerge. And if it does emerge, then it adds and, and, and contributes in the way that I need to. And if it doesn't emerge, then, well, then we go back to, because <laughs> this is a difficult element, right? Because then you think, well, if we're talking about the deeper wisdom of the cosmos, um, you know, there are going to be people who, emerge and you know fulfill their duties and then there are people who obviously have have a rough time finding that and 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 they don't find it or they don't um you know even if they do find it are unable to commit to that that ultimate duty right and so you think well if there's the deeper wisdom of the cosmos i'm just playing with an idea here this is this may go nowhere then everything is good about that like everything yes. is is fine you know and and so yes. you focus on yourself and you suspend judgment of what everybody else is doing but you take that load that 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 weight of you know your culture and you know the things that you're trying to contribute to you take it upon yourself right and and you you focus there if it does that kind of make sense it it absolutely makes sense simon and What's I'm kind of tickled right now because what you've just said surprised me by being expressed in a prayer that I remember from childhood, mm. um, which uh, you know I was I was raised as a Jew and um, so we would pray in Hebrew, um, but it translates as this. It, um, I thank you for my life, body and soul. Help me realize that I'm beautiful and whole. That I'm perfect the way I am and a little broken too. I will live each day as a gift I give to you. Mm. That, that sense of showing up 
to your part in the gigantic play. Yeah. 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 What what I really like about that is it, you know, we've, we've been talking about a few kind of, uh, there's a tension in some of the things that we're saying, because, you know, one thing that I really like about that, that, that prayer is that it gives you, okay, one thing that there, there, it's so hard to find a sense of belonging in life, right? And we're constantly seeking that belonging and that feeling that we are, we are it, you know, we, we are the thing, you know, that we need to fall into and we need to discover. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the, the unhealthy manifestation of that worldview tends to be, to me, it seems like the view that, well, I'm just perfect the way I am. And so any faults that I have, I can just throw it away. It's all good. I'll just do whatever I want. I'll live it up in life. And, you know, I don't have to worry about ever becoming something other than what I am. Right. But it seems like that's the wrong path. But what that prayer also gives you is, well, I'm a little broken too. I really like that because it gives you a little bit of humility to say, okay, yes, I'm whole. However, there's work to do. And I think that that's, it's it's a good balance. It's like what Epictetus said. I, I use this with my clients all the time, and it's seriously one of the most helpful things I ever heard. He said, "Personal growth comes from uh, should come from a place of personal uh, self scrutiny and also self kindness. And if yes. you match them together, which it's it's hard to do, but if you match them together, it's uh, you know life life is fun. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you know it's like yes. it's 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 good." you know yeah yeah it's good i don't know if i need some water but i'm like choking on my breath yeah today. let's have water breath <laughs> uh, water break <laughs> now I, I, I wanted to add something as well because one of the things that i wrote down that i really wanted to talk about in terms of lessons from last year and it re- really relates to what we've been talking about is I started to pay attention to the fact that people around me were sending me messages constantly because uh, they know me in many ways better than I know myself. You know, they're watching me from the outside view and they're thinking, well, he's thinking about this or he's thinking about that or he's got this talent or this talent, so he might like this or this or this. It's like when somebody recommends a book to you or, you know, I had people last year recommend that I have some guests on the show and the guests who they recommended, who I ended up interviewing, were some of the most influential people I had on the show in terms of, for me, you know, I really took something away from it important. And and then, you know, I started checking out these books that people were recommending or um, even just paying attention to you know, when I was younger, what were the things that people were saying to me? Like, you should do this or you should do that. And I started to really open up that kind of, that, that, that world of paying attention to the, 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 the things that you're hearing, the, 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 the lessons that you're learning from the people around you in terms of who you are. And as I opened that up, I, I thought, man, this is amazing. You know, people really do often know me better than I know myself. And the recommendations to me are always just spot on for where I am in my life. And I thought that really relates to the, 
Amor Fati as well, right? That, because what I would often do is I would, you know, somebody would recommend a book or, you know, somebody would recommend it a guest and I'd think, well, I know better than they do. I'm just going to keep on my path, you know. <laughs> I'll keep these blinders on. <laughs> and when I started actually paying attention, I thought, man, you know, one of my clients, he recommended that I read um, Montaigne and uh, he, I just read the introduction and I was like, oh, crap, this is exactly what I'm needing at this point in my life. You know, I can't believe it took me so long to, you know, to get to this point. So I don't know, like, do, do you, do you, you obviously get a lot of recommendations from people, right? And And have you found that, have you found often that, people tend to know you better than you can see yourself when, when they, uh, when, when they point things out to you or like, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how to answer that right now, just because of, of COVID, I really haven't, been around people mm. too much I would need to think about that a little yeah. bit and I'm not even sure if I phrased it in a question it was more of a avalanche of words coming in your general direction um but yes. <laughs> but um it's yeah it's definitely something to consider you know I, I just really found that last year that it was it was very strange to me how the recommendations that people started throwing my way just hit the nail on the head every time. And going back to what we've been talking about, if you, if you act as if there could be something of value in those things, you know, that it, it seems like you will see that. And I think just also just paying attention to the messages that I was taught growing up in terms of, what people saw in me that they thought would be a good direction. And often we can think, yeah, like I said, you know, we can think, well, I'm just going to stick on my path. I'm going to do that. But um, it's strange how we as humans, we are constantly sending messages to other people about what we think they should be or could become, you know, it's like fulfill oh, your yeah. potential, you know, what does that even mean? It means that somebody sees something in you that you might not see within yourself and that if you listened to them and tried to fulfill that potential, whether it's somebody saying, hey, you know, you're good at this or you're good at that or you should check this out, you might be interested, um, it can really change your direction. And now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I remember sitting, uh, sitting outside of these markets when I was younger, playing my trumpet, busking for some money, um, it sounds like I was homeless or something. I had parents. I was just <laughs> sitting there <laughs> making some extra money. But this guy came along and he said, you know what? You sound a little bit like Chet Baker. You should check him out. And. Oh, pivot point. Pivot point. That's, you know? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. When, excuse, when Excuse me for interrupting, but I no. know that was a pivot point. It was a pivot point, ding, ding, you know? ding, 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 yeah. And and so yeah. when I listened yeah. to that, I thought, oh, okay, I'll go check it out. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, oh, this is my jazz. You know, this is my style yeah. that I love. And, you know, I ended up doing a tribute album to Chet Baker. And, and you know, I think if that guy hadn't have had the inclination 
to come up to me and say, you know, hey, kid, check out Chet Baker, um, how different would my life be? And so it goes both ways, right? We need to recognize how those influences are coming in upon us, but we can also be that for somebody else and it's necessary. You know, something really necessary about that. Yes. Yes, everything you've just said, Simon, of, it is an affirmation of, of something I believe, which is life is always speaking to us if we would mm. but listen. And and it does come through people, but it but life can speak to us through circumstance or through through anything. You, you see a commercial on TV, you look at um, a leaf from a Japanese maple. Everything can everything can be the agent of that pivot point if we're listening. I mean, in other words, you know, you pointed out that how how terrific that that guy bothered to say, Hey kid, check mm. out Chet Baker, but he needed you to catch the ball. Mm. You had to be listening. It's it. Life speaks, but there has to be a dialogue. Mm. It's a dialogue. We're speaking. And by speaking, you know, I don't just mean literally um, with, you know, verbal language, but through our body language, through the choices we make. And then we're part of, we're part of the big mush that's life that is also sending out signals, symbols, language to other people that if they're open, then they can be galvanized in a good direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so necessary to see that as a conversation. And this, this really plays back into what we've been talking about. I'm glad, I'm so glad that we're going in this direction because what we've done today is we've said, identify with yourself with the biggest possible thing, you know, let that lead you into a more fati, uh, love your fate so that you'll see the opportunities. And then once you're there, you'll realize that you're getting these messages constantly. And you're, you know, like, uh, I think it's Victor Frankl. He said, you know, uh, ask not what, um, oh gosh, what did he say? Just uh, something along the lines of ask what life is expecting of you. Right. So to see what yeah. it is that life is calling you to do. And then you see that you have a duty to continue that conversation with life, which often manifests in, you know, the conversations we have with people, but there's a, there's deeper and deeper layers of duty that you have in terms of having that conversation with life. And I think that something I've been really trying to grasp properly lately is I've had a very deep sense that the, the, potential that I have for contributing in the the highest possible meaningful way to my culture and to the people around me, that potential has not been uh, 
perfectly realized. Oh, oh. hello. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I accidentally kicked my thing. I'm just. No, that's fine. I beg it. <laughs> I beg it. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think ultimately I've had this sense that there's so much more that, uh, that, uh, that I am capable of responding to to life with. Yeah, you know, th- th- there's 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 such a bigger conversation to have, right? And and I'm not having those conversations yet, but I'm heading in that direction. And I, you know, sometimes I realize, uh, you know, man, I thought that I had this back then, but I wasn't even close. I'm so much closer now. And then you get a little bit closer, but I think that the more you can develop that like you say, the conversation with life and responding to the call of duty that you have to the people around you to fulfill that potential. And, you know, it, it, it really, you know, and that's a, such a hard thing because I think that it, it takes, it, it does take a lot of courage to act as if the things in your life and the messages you're receiving could be good and you could, turn it around to be a value for the people around you. It takes, it, it takes a lot of strength and it's really hard to do. And, and that's why I say, you know, I'm not even close to being, you know, to having that giant conversation, but um, it's, I'm trying to figure out what it feels like exactly because I've had inclinations. And as I'm figuring that out, I'm trying to think of how you can communicate that to other people because it's such a necessary conversation to have. Um, go on, sorry. Well, I was just thinking that you, I think we can communicate it to other people just by the way we are. Mm. Um, yeah. I have to agree with that. Um, for a specific reason, because uh, at some point over the past few months, I realized that the the right feeling. So when when you're progressing in life, and when you're making the right decisions, and when you tend to be going in the right direction, the right feeling to have is not necessarily pride as much as gratitude. Gratitude for the fact that you somehow managed to pick up the right signals and somehow you've landed in this place where you're on a good path, right? But I look back and I think, you know, there's nothing that I could have done to have gone in a different direction or I was just, you know, I was just picking up the signals that were coming in, you know, and, um, and so there has to be kind of like a humility there of, well, things will happen when they happen. I've just got to try and turn up the volume knob, you know, and see see if I can hear a little bit more, see a little bit more. And it also has a little bit to do with what I've been thinking about uh, when it comes to uh, the the purpose of uh, philosophy or the 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 seeking of wisdom is, you know, we are these information foragers constantly. And and maybe one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to turn up the dial on all of these senses that we have that can allow us to perceive the world around us as much as possible. And as you do that, you start to 
you know, the world shifts around you in different ways than it did before because you're experiencing, you know, whether it's what Jung talked about with deeper layers of wisdom or you're just experiencing different layers of, of, of awareness and perception that allow you to take in greater volumes of, of signals. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. With the proviso <laughs> yes. that the, the broader band of signals I like to think of as being depth rather mm. than breadth because we don't want to live uh, an, uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. We yeah. want to live an inch wide and a mile deep. Mm. It, in my opinion, <laughs> is 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 there an is there an analogy there between uh, what is often said in philosophy and religion in terms of the straight and narrow path? Can you say more about that? Well, I want to understand what you mean better. Yeah, the, it's like Seneca has talked about the straight path, the straight way. You know, uh, it's it's also talked about. Um, you know, something that I was taught, I guess, in Christian uh, narratives is the straight and narrow path, right? Of of what, whether it's virtue or it's it seems like it's it's if you know, I just got an image then of you talking about you know inch wide, mile deep of something that goes extremely deep in terms of um uh for, for wisdom's sake but but it also goes very high right like it, it you know yes like yeah like right in other words we're the x-axis not the y-axis yeah 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 exactly and 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 you know I, I think something i've been thinking about lately is just a kind of maxim of uh you know aim higher go deeper sort of thing you know um yes yeah, and and I think that if you can do that, and and it it really resonates with me because I think that the deeper I go into philosophy, uh, the the more difficult the questions are that I'm trying to answer about life, you know, and the the deeper the questions are that I'm trying to to ask, and it's not as if I'm asking these questions; it's like they pop up, and I'm like, oh crap, I have to right. deal with this, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, like right. Now yeah. I've got to deal with the question the, the of God question all of a is, sudden. Is asking you. I mean, yeah. I mean, we just become these instruments for the questions that insist on yeah. being asked. Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, and yeah. and I think it has to be a natural process where you kind of fall into that path where you fall into uh, the necessity of asking those questions. Something that I wrote recently, I I, I just had this strong sense that. Um, the question of of God and what that even means, right, and what it means for us is something that I think that everybody will at some stage in their life be forced into asking that question, whether it's, you know, now when I'm 27 or whether it's the day before I die and I realise that I have to consider, you know, <laughs> what does that mean, you know, uh, what does it mean that I'm going to die and what what happens, you know, and and I think that the sooner we can ask these deeper, deeper, deeper questions and have a, a sophisticated look at them, you know, uh, that might be the wrong word, a, 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 um, an honest look at these questions. You know, I think that uh, 
you know, like they always say, wisdom isn't a thing of age. It's a thing that you you seek no matter where you are in your life. And and if we can come to these questions naturally uh, before it's too late, you know, I think that there's deep meaning to be found. Um, I, I think anyway, I get a sense. <laughs> yes. Hmm. So I have one more question for you, I guess. Um, I okay. wanted to I wanted to talk to you about art because oh good. Jen and I just had a wonderful weekend. We went. She she basically she had all these flight credits because she couldn't go to America last year, and so we thought, let's take a trip. We went to Sydney. Um, we saw Hamilton and Frozen, the musicals. We, it was just amazing. Oh. <laughs> and but I think that for me, one of the highlights was. Uh, you know, last year I finally came to a realization that I, I'm so stupid when it comes to art. I had no idea. I never wanted to go to art galleries, and it's just they bored the crap out of me. And yeah. and and then I started to develop a better relationship with it and think, okay, yeah, I don't know anything about art, and it's so much more uh, intense and and meaningful than I had realized. And one of the highlights for me on the weekend was going and seeing. Um, the the Australian Art Museum, I think it was, and just the exquisite works that they had in there just blew me away. But you definitely are a person who it it seems to me, at least from the outside view, you have a a deep connection with um, artistic beauty and and um, and yeah, cultural significance in those in those works. When did you kind of Talk to me about your kind of relationship with art. You know, when, how did it de- develop? Um, how do you, you know, what do you see in terms of um, the meaning to be found in art? I don't know. Like, I might be wrong about anything here, but uh, but yeah, just talk to me about how you see art and, and its purpose in culture. I guess. Well, well, first I'll start. I'll start from the personal, and then um, sure branch out to maybe a more universal uh, perspective. Um, My relationship with art is, it's a bit fraught because uh, my mother uh, was um, a a famous abstract artist. And I grew up in a home where, you know, all I smelled were the smell of paints and um and she had a studio and I didn't get it <laughs> you know I just didn't get it I didn't know how the only I did all I could do was draw a stick figure mind you she she did abstract work not figurative but I didn't know why someone would want to make an image out of any medium it I wasn't hostile towards it but there was just you know it's kind of like how there's some people who would, will insist that they're tone deaf and if you're musical I don't know about you but I'll say to them no no it's it's just a matter of of exposure of trying it of uh, you know th- there's no such thing as as mm as tone deaf or, you know, not being musical. It's, you know, it's our birthright, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I just, 
art just always, uh, you know, I, I was because of my mother's position in her community and just because of the culture of the home I was raised in, I was taken to museums all the time and they just made me feel stupid and like sort of a witless Philistine. I didn't get it. I, Mm. I, you know, I mean, I suppose I'm just in a way restating what you're saying, what you just said, you know, just, I, I was, you know, especially abstract art, you know, you would see just some, you know, the classic reaction, my three-year-old could do that, to, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and like, you know, well, that's a good gig if you can get it, you know, to <laughs> throw some <laughs> But, but talk about a pivot point. I would say about 10 years ago, Mas o menos, more or less. Um, I was invited to be on a panel of, I don't know what, you know, they called it like a group of creatives from different fields or something. And what they did was they uh, literally, <laughs> it was pretty funny, they locked us in the San Francisco <laughs> Museum of Modern Art after midnight, you know, when there were no patrons, but just so that we would just have the run of this place. And I don't know, there were maybe 15 of us or something, people from all different walks of life, but everybody else there was, um, was art artistically you know they were part of the cognoscenti and Mm. I was sort of the dumb-dumb anyway (laughs) we were we were set we were set loose find a piece that spoke to us and then to come back to the group later and explain why and I forget the circumstance but for Oh, I know. I had had um, a dulcimer gig in the city before I came to this uh, funny event. Um, So I had brought my hammered dulcimer with me. And um, anyhow, I came upon this painting that I stared at. I'm trying to remember the artist. It doesn't really matter, I guess. but. I stared at it for, you know, I really sat with it for a while. And all I could think of was wanting to play music to Mm. say that, I mean, that was the language that I thought of to express because I guess I, uh, I'm not feeling articulate. Somehow the painting, it definitely spoke. Mm. It spoke. And I caught the ball. I received it. And then I um I broke out my dulcimer and spontaneously just all of a piece, a tune came out mm. that was the painting. 
you know, it was like, I guess, you know, kind of a synesthesia or something like that. Mm. But anyway, what's my point? Um, my point is that I, I think we're, I think we're all kind of fluent in different languages and, yes. and, and mine happens to be auditory, but I think we can still understand and be moved by other languages if we can be present for them. Hmm. Okay. Little asterisk to that story. About three years ago, four years ago, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's an artist and she, I was in her studio and I said, well, uh, gosh, how nice it is that you have this studio and you can make art and do something that means so much to you. And she said, well, here, would you like to, you know, make a little painting over here while I'm working? And I said, oh, no, I, I don't do that. <laughs> um, and she, and then she got very stern with me and she said, there's, you, you aren't a person if you don't make art, you, you know, you don't have to make art for other people to respond to, but you know, that's, you're being an idiot. You're cutting yourself off from something that makes you fundamentally human. And so, okay. So, <laughs> so she gave, she gave me. Okay. Anyway, fast forward. I I paint every day now, and I draw every day now. And when I go to a museum, it's one of the most vibrant, exciting experiences I can imagine. Mm. So I think I think we can be switched on somehow. Yeah. I'm a little yeah. embarrassed, Simon, because I think I, I think I got on my story train, and I, I'm sort of not even remembering the original. No, question. no, <laughs> no. That that's exactly the kind of response I was looking for. Well, not that I was looking for a specific response, but you know, it's beautiful. You know, and and it's I I love the way that you're thinking about it in terms of languages that we can tap into um, of expression, and I agree that some people maybe better in one language than another. I seem, I definitely, like you, seem to be way more of the auditory kind of language speaker. Um, and so one thing that I have been thinking lately is, you know, if I'm practicing philosophy and if I'm seeking to be a philosopher, there is nothing better that I could do for the philosophy than to explore these different forms of expression, like whether it's with my music or with, you know, I agree, you know, I've, I've started... Uh, doing drawings as well and having such a great time discovering that that language even though I can only speak a few words at the moment but you know you add a new word each time and you start to think okay I can develop this but you think of people like Nietzsche and you know he composed a bunch of music and he painted and you think okay why would somebody who is so deeply involved in philosophy think about doing that it's because like you said it's it's so important to explore these different uh, uh, levels of communication. And, you know, I just, it, it, walking through this gallery down in Sydney, I was just taken aback by, uh, I particularly like, um, I particularly like the earlier Australian artists. I'm not, 
I haven't developed my contemporary art uh, goggles, I guess, um, at this point. But um, yeah, you just you see some of these paintings and you think they get it exactly right, and you can feel it. You know, you can feel yes. something there, and and it's uh, it's kind of a freaky ability that we have, right? Magic, yeah, yeah, Magic. absolutely. Well, hey, Sharon, this has been amazing. Um, thank you so much for spending the time. I just, I'm so grateful to you for, um, you know, doing this every month because uh, it's it's always a refreshing conversation and and uh, I need my fix of Shazza. So <laughs> I appreciate you. Oh, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.